Welcome to the film room, everyone. And on this episode, we are covering Bram Stoker's Dracula, 1992. And on this episode, I have my uncle Donnie joining me solo. He does not have his brother, crazy Uncle Seth. Donnie, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. So I actually asked Donnie what movie he would like to review, just him and I. And he chose Bram Stoker's Dracula. Why did you pick this movie? Oh, uh, I don't know. I guess I wanted to change it up a little bit. I mean, I've listened, like I've, we've talked before, I've listened to all your bo- pro- uh, podcasts multiple times. And I thought just more on a somewhat creature feature. And, you know, what's more classic than Dracula? So I guess I wanted to take it back a little old school style and, like you said, it turned out this was one of the first times you ever watched it. So that was kind of interesting, too. Yeah, I actually was pleasantly surprised when you mentioned this film because I thought I'd seen it before, but uh, I think I've only seen like bits and pieces of the beginning. So, yeah, when I started watching, it, I was like, no, this is all kind of new to me. And I was excited, too, because I feel like a lot of people are like, this is, this is the quintessential vampire movie would you say maybe like people like around your age like just they probably grew up with this film do you think that they when they think of a vampire movie do they think of bram stoker's vamp or dracula um i guess it's a hard question to answer i don't know how many of my friends are big into horror movies like i was you know and uh there's probably a few that probably would know it but it's like you know it's been a long time since i'd watched it and there's quite a few parts of it. I'm like, oh, I totally forgot about that. So definitely was fun to rewatch and remember some of the um, storylines of it. And I think, yeah, I think it's one of the top quintessential Dracula movies they've made. So absolutely. All right. Before we dig into this beast, Donnie, I got to ask, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> uh, not quite as wild as last time. I guess it's just a. Uh, a rum and diet coke is about all i got going today so just a little something to keep it interesting nothing wrong with that yeah how about yourself i am drinking a pre-made jack daniels number seven coca-cola oh okay yeah like seth said you know i know our sister jackie really likes those and i enjoy them too whenever we're hanging around uh We usually pick up a four-pack, and of course, she couldn't handle a whole four-pack, so I'll help her a little bit, but... Oh, God, I I think if I drink a four-pack, I would be sure. Oh, yeah. I think she's good for one or on a a real good night, maybe two, but that would be about it. Yeah, it it packs a punch. It's like one of those where, like, you're like, ah, shit, I might have another one while you're drinking this first one, and then you got about a quarter of it left, and you're like, eh, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of catches up to you a little bit, but all right, cool, man. we got our libation ready for this film. Um, yep. One more thing before we kind of step into the world of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Do you have any movies that you want to talk about that uh, that you re- recently watched since last time you recorded? Uh, I guess just, you know, another kind of old one. And actually I talked to your aunt Terry about you and I doing this movie and she kind of, you know, we talked a little bit about it. She's aware of it. She watches all these horror movies as well. And, and then we kind of brought up, you know, I said, I'd like to do like some creature features. And she said, well, that movie Van Helsing with Jack or Hugh Jackman, she said kind of an interesting one. So I ended up watching that one as well. It's just, 
kind of fun. It has has all the classics, you know, the Dracula, Wolfman, and Frankenstein, and it's a little more campy, but it's still a fun watch. I think that was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. It had like everything you wanted from a from like a creature feature. Yeah, werewolves, vampires, vampire hunters, and uh, Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster, and then come on, a werewolf and a vampire fight at the end. That's pretty yeah. Cool. Oh yeah, that's pretty dope. And Kate Beckinsale, anything she's in, I'm there. Oh yeah, yeah. Back when she was real young, right when she was like t- probably twenty four, twenty five. Oh, even now, man, she's still yeah. All right, man. Well, I don't think I really have anything. I think this is my most recently watched. I've been so freaking busy the last week, two weeks. Uh, work has just been kind of crazy because we're so short staffed. So I've been kind of covering for people. So yeah, I don't think I've watched anything. No movies. I've been boring. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's get into Bram Stoker's Dracula. I'm going to provide a brief synopsis of the film. Count Dracula, a 15th century prince, is condemned to live off the blood of the living for eternity. Young lawyer Jonathan Harker is sent to Dracula's castle to finalize a land deal. But when the Count sees a photo of Harker's fiance, Mina, the spitting image of his dead wife, he imprisons him and sets off for London to track her down. Whoa. That's a pretty good setup, wouldn't you say? Yeah, that's a major cock block there. <laughs> Lock them in your castle and head hey, out. Honestly, though, if they weren't trying to kill me, his brides weren't too bad looking either. Oh, no, no, no. Seeing those uh, reenacted in many movies, and they do not ever disappoint. <laughs> okay, so let's get some background information going about Bram Stoker's Dracula. It was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Do you know what his other work includes? I'm pretty sure he did The Godfather. He did The Godfather? Yeah, didn't he? And then he did Apocalypse Now. Yeah. So And The Outsiders. Oh, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. He's a pretty, uh, pretty renowned uh, film director. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's interesting, you know, our last talk um, where, you know, it was James Gunn and um, that Zach wrote Snyder. the, what's that? Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder, there you go. They were both involved in the last movie we recovered or covered, and very interesting. That was their first works, and a lot of fresh faces in this movie we'll be getting into. Yes, definitely. So obviously, this movie is based off the book by Bram Stoker. I know I asked you off mic if you read this book, but you had to said no. Do you think yeah. our crazy uncle Seth has read this book? I would kind of guess no. I know he likes, you know, he's more into like the kind of like the the Lord of the Rings kind of genre. I mean, he's big into that. I've read a few of the books he's had a uh, series of, and they're all, you know, just that kind of Conan kind of characters. So he's read a lot of books, though, but I kind of wouldn't. I'd be surprised if he had. Yeah, he's kind of a D&D boy. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, this film. Had a 128-minute runtime. It felt, it felt a little long at times, but it's just, you know, just over two hours. It had a budget of $40 million and a hmm. box office of $215.9 million. 
it made its money. It made a pretty good return. And it currently holds a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. So a favorable score for Joker's Dracula. Were you aware about the I'm trying to say here? Box office. Box or? office success and the critics I, I guess I'm really surprised, especially for ninety-two. That's pretty impressive. I gotta yeah. say. I mean that that's that's a pretty good amount of, of change. Yeah. They gave a lot of it to Gary Oldman. He he did amazing, so we'll obviously get into him, but all right. So our next section here, let's get into the characters of the film so we'll get into the characters and after we kind of discuss some of the characters we will move in to some of the key scenes and have a discussion about them does that sound good to you donnie yep all righty well first character on the list none other than count dracula played by gary oldman gary oldman's a fantastic actor he was in the fifth element he was on uh, air force one obviously the christopher nolan uh, Batman movies. He's a pretty damn good actor. But anyways, Count Dracula is the titular character and the central figure of this story. He is a centuries-old vampire with a tragic past. In the beginning, he is portrayed as a nobleman who becomes a vampire after his wife's suicide. Throughout the film, Dracula's appearance transforms from an old, decrepit man to a charismatic and seductive figure. He is elegant and refined with an air of mystery around him. Dracula's emotions range from melancholic to passionate, making him a complex antagonist. Donnie, give me your thoughts on Count Dracula. Yeah, uh, I just think he did an amazing job. I mean, at the time of the movie, I don't know if Gary was that well even known quite yet. Even watching it, I'm like, oh my gosh, how young he looks. And, you know, initially a little unrecognizable in a few of the shots and I mean, the makeup work was just amazing, and just his command the uh, character was just, I think, top-notch. I don't know if he did, but he should have been up for an, uh, an Academy Award for that portrayal, I think. Yes, I completely agree with your take on him. I feel like not even watching this movie, I always, I've always known that Gary Oldman portrayed Count Dracula, and that just from, like, some pop culture like other podcasts and you know things i've seen on youtube like when people talk about dracula they talk about the portrayal of uh gary oldman just because it was so captivating and yeah and after watching this the first time i just loved like he's just he goes through so many transformations right where like in the in the beginning of the film where he's just a man to his downfall to you know being this like what like the description the decrepit old old man just kind of withering away then he gets some of his youth back in his pursuit of love and just i kind of want to hit on the notes of him being a complex antagonist because clearly he is not a good dude but in his quest in his quest to like reignite that love and or go after the doppelganger of his wife and mina he seems to like have some redeeming qualities you know what i mean where he's like he wants to bite her. He wants to change her. I mean, ultimately, he he does, but he he tries to refuse, right? He tries to be like, no, I don't want that life for you. Yeah. So he's kind of he's de- he's definitely a complex character, but he's he just comes off as like Gary Oldman's so great at making him charismatic that it's hard like not to root for him at times. Did you kind of find yourself 
rooting for him at times? I mean, absolutely. You could just could just feel his heartbreak. I mean, that's the beginning of the movie. I don't know how far we want to get into it right now, but going from, you know, being of Christian value and just that one thing happens with his his wife and he denounces everything and becomes the kind of the sad, sullen figure that he is throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, definitely. Well said. Well, you know what? We'll get to that in our key scenes section, but for now, let's move on to the next character. Our next character is Mina Harker, played by Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, also another very famous actress from this great state of Minnesota. She was in Alien Resurrection, Girl Interrupted, Beetlejuice. She's obviously been in the most recent superstar series on Netflix, Stranger Things. And I think she's going to reprise her role in the upcoming Beetlejuice 2. Yeah, I saw that. So Mina is a young woman who becomes the object of Dracula's obsession due to her striking resemblance to his deceased wife. She is engaged to Jonathan Harker and is initially portrayed as innocent and pure. As the story unfolds, Mina becomes entangled in Dracula's web, torn between her love for Jonathan and the alluring pull of the vampire. She evolves into a strong-willed character who fights against Dracula's influence. Donnie, talk to me. What do you know about Mina? Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to figure out, because I'm, you know, they always have these characters in all the Dracula movies, and I'm trying to think if Mina was always the main pursuit of his, or was it Lucy in some of them? But um, it's kind of interesting how Winona played her. I mean, she plays her very naive, but she also seems very curious and maybe borderline kind (laughs) of wanting to explore things with Jonathan or whomever. And, but she does, she's got more of a control over it than our other character we'll talk about. But um, it was very interesting to see her transformation from being, you know, almost uh, seemed like a, just a school marm, you know, kind of all proper in that. And then as Dracula possessed or got possession of her more and more, how much she changed to what, you know, he was hoping is what she became, you know, his love he lost. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like you're kind of spot on with her being this like goody two shoes or a little like kind of prudish right away. And then like, as the story unfolds, like we're seeing her character evolve. And then we kind of talk about her, like, possibly like exploring because she does refuse like his first like four or five advances but that dracula is a persistent little fucker yeah (laughs) but like and we can get into this later but i don't mind if we have the conversation now um that was kind of my question throughout the film was like not only count dracula but like all the vampires do like all the vampires have some type of like way of like hypnotizing people with like their like sexually you know what i mean because like not to jump too far ahead but mina kind of like does the same thing to uh abraham van helsing when they're traveling to the castle so like the entire film i was a little bit confused and then i saw that and i was like well i think the vampires can somehow like take control of them and they can't really help it they're almost like under a spell of some sort so i don't really fault her too much because he was kind of persistent and followed her everywhere and like 
Yeah. Just kind of like this this figure that was almost hypnotizing to her. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of the, you know, vampire lore is, especially with the women, you know, they uh, have this hold on them. Somehow they're able to, like you said, almost like hypnotize them in a way or how they can seduce them and, you know, bring their guard down and get them to do anything and go anywhere you want them to go and he got her to go into the picture show which was a little bit of a naughty looking uh, arena there and yeah and you know kind of an odd place for her to be and i know she see she even reacted a little shyly but you know she still is in there because she's there with him yeah very much so all right you ready to move on to the next character sure all right next up we have jonathan harker played by Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, also a pretty big name actor. Don't know if you've seen him in the Matrix movies, Point Break, Constantine, John Wick. I mean, this dude's... Uh, was that crazy. him? Are you serious? No. Come <laughs> on, like, dude. You're just realizing that was fucking Keanu Reeves? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, they they have some marquee uh, actors in this movie. Yeah, they do. Like as I'm like, I don't think we've hit even the biggest one yet, but no, it'll come. I'm like looking through my list here and I'm like, I've like all these names people are probably going to recognize, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyways, Jonathan Harker is a solicitor who travels to Transylvania to assist Count Dracula with a real estate transaction in England. He is Mina's fiance and starts the story as an optimistic yet naive young man. However, his experiences in Dracula's castle lead to his physical and mental deterioration. He returns to England traumatized and becomes determined to save Mina from Dracula's clutches. All right, Donnie, before I ask for your full thoughts, I got to ask you this question. Oh, boy. Okay. Why did he have gray hair for part of the film? And like, he, for, when we first meet him, he's got his, you know, young black hair. Yeah. Then he has gray hair. And then at the end, he's got black hair again you got to help me understand this is that something from the book or am i just like it well again i don't know i haven't read the book my only thought is you know when he was being under the thrall of the three uh i don't know what you call them three witches three dracula's brides the the three brides there you go i mean like he said they were just kind of drinking little bits keeping him weak so maybe in a way they were taking away some of his life force and damn and once he got away from that and started recovering maybe the hair did come back but that's kind of a strange thing to do you know you'd think it would stay gray like it was yeah like so, so it's hard to explain why that would happen but yeah i thought maybe like that's a good explanation i, I was kind of like leaning towards that but the, the entire time i'm watching sometimes you know I, when i'm in a mood to watch a film it's like i just need you to explain everything to me you know like i can't um, have, like indirect messaging and yeah that i was kind of like is it snowing outside like what is happening right now like why has he got frosty hair and then like it went away and i was like well maybe yeah it's because they've been sucking his blood and he's like super weak or they've like aged him i don't know but yeah. Besides, you know, besides that, like, what are your overall thoughts on on Jonathan? Probably our I don't know, co-protagonist. Yeah. You know, and like I said, it's been a long time to see the movie, and at first, you know, I'm like, you know, I wasn't too impressed with Keanu's acting, but like you said in the descriptor, he's I think the same thing for Winona and Mina. 
they're just so young and naive that sometimes they're, you know, you almost think, God, they're not doing a very good job of these characters. But I think that's because they're being so, you know, they just trust in everything. And and I, I can see he's another character that I think you can see kind of once he escapes and recovers, he he's not just hiding away and, you know, just afraid of everything. He's actually trying to save his wife and he's trying to, you know, protect everyone that he loves and wants revenge. And so I think he has a very good, you know, story arc on from his beginnings to the end. So I think it's his character, just like you said, gets stronger as the show goes, actually. Yeah, no, definitely. But listen, I love me Keanu Reed, but did you notice like how inconsistent his English accent was? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I noticed, like in the opening scene where he's uh he's like talking to his boss. I'm like, oh god, like it. I was like, now he's talking like he's from England, and then like the next scene is like he's talking from he's you know middle mid Midwest you know USA basically. He's like, come on, figure it out, man. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think they're doing Point Break at the same time. He was going in between his two characters there, or what? Yeah, I think Point Break came came out around the same time. I don't know. Maybe got a little confused, or yeah, he's like, "Am I on the set for Point Break?" As I'm like wearing like clothes from the 1800s. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I don't think he was a great actor at the time, and I mean, I don't think he's really had anything that's been just outstanding. He's a good actor, action actor, but yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, he's entertaining. He's you know, he's sounds like one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. So. Yeah, he's like one of those where you don't really need it to be dialogue driven for him. Yeah, yeah, like that. It's a little, a little tougher, you know. Like I, like think about the John Wicks that he's like famous for. It's, I mean, he says he has maybe like twenty or thirty lines, and he's the lead character. It's yeah, him just like snapping people's necks and blowing their heads off, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but all right that's enough of jonathan harker we'll get to him later let's move on to professor abraham van helsing played by anthony hopkins you might recognize that name because he is the i, w- I was gonna say one and only but there have been you know the the show hannibal lecter portrayed hannibal lecter in silence of the lambs um red dragon hannibal i think those are all the ones that he's been in but yeah um, he's obviously been in a bunch of other stuff like i remember he was a dollhouse in like the 80s um i feel like he's done a lot of stuff in his older age he just loves to work apparently but he was in westworld westworld that's right yeah he was he was in that that's something i never finished but i'll have to come back to yeah Uh, so very very great uh you know older older actor here but Van Helsing is a knowledgeable and experienced vampire hunter. He is Mina's mentor and a key figure in the battle against Dracula. Van Helsing is intelligent, resourceful, and pragmatic. He combines modern science with ancient folklore to combat the supernatural threat. His character is portrayed as both wise and eccentric, bringing a sense of gravitas to the fight against evil. Whoa, Donnie, I gotta say, he kind of blew me away. His 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 performance was pretty awesome because Van Helsing was like unhinged at times. What are your thoughts on him? Um, I think the biggest, the strongest word that his descriptor had was eccentric. Yep. I mean, he, he also, I'm like, if he didn't get up for 
best supporting actor or something. I mean, he just played that part just so well. Um, it's like hard to tell. It's like, does he know all this when you first meet him, you know? And, and then all of a sudden it's like, he, he knows all about Dracula and about those things and how to defeat them or how to combat them and how to try to revert. I mean, it's almost like, you know, you don't know how much he really knows, even though we've probably learned it from other movies of the same character and different things, but just some of his actions. And then what he says is just so off the heel. Um, it's just, I, I kind of find him a little entertaining in his dialogues because a lot of those other characters are just like, what did you say? It's like, He's beyond their time for sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I, I agree. And then here here's a did you notice that when we're first introduced to him when he's in that lecture hall, that's this that's the same lecture because remember he's in um the Wolfman. Wolf yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's pretty cool because I kinda was wondering that. Twenty years later he's in the Wolfman and that's where you have the famous transformation scene. Yeah. Benicio del Toro. That's pretty I kind of was curious, but that's that's a real cool point. Um, but yeah, you had a really good point of like, is he a practical doctor that doesn't believe in like that folklore nonsense? Because you're not really sure right away until he's like pulling out these books and he he gets there and he's examining Lucy. And I I thought it was fucking hilarious because I, I was telling Donnie off mic that it took me two times to watch this because i started it really late on saturday night i fell asleep halfway through then i restarted the next morning and uh the part that i fell asleep at um when i like woke up it was like where he was talking to like quincy and and dr john and and everyone outside um in the courtyard area and he's like we're dealing with a vampire and then he's like he like disappears in the shadows and like where'd you go doctor and i was like (laughs) this is so over the top like i'm here for this this is fucking awesome but then he like pops around the corner and he goes he's like they lie in the shadows they they rely on deception i'm like oh my god this is so (laughs) cringy (laughs) But, but i'm here for it it's good so yeah he's definitely like this crazy guy and then he like Remember when he's like reading the book and he, he like figures out that it's a vampire or something or like yeah. what they have to do. They have to like stake, put a stake through the heart and cut the head off. And he like shows up to Lucy's manor like fucked up, like, just like he'd been drinking all night. And he's like, yeah, I know what we have to do. But first, you got to fucking feed me. Put me in your wagon and feed me. I was like, <laughs> what? Well, he has a kind of interesting dialogue with Quincy there, too. And <laughs> I don't I, I don't remember the words. You kinda do. You're pretty good at that, but Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had Quincy pretty dumbfounded, you know, and Yeah, the the Texas guy where he like he, he grabbed him by his collar and he said something. Yeah. After he let go, he like it was so funny he like kicked the dirt and he's like I can't remember what he said, something about you dumb fool or drunk fool or something. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he he, he had a pretty good uh portrayal but it's funny how like much his character turned because i feel like when we're first introduced he seemed very like suited up and formal and then like as the movie went on you're like this guy is kind of like crazy you know yeah so yeah i i definitely enjoyed his portrayal and i'm sure when we get into the key scenes we'll have some things to talk about oh definitely 
Go ahead. Sorry, can I just say, and I don't know, there were several times when they would just have him look, and I'm like, God, he looks, he just reminded me of Hannibal so many times during it, too. He just ha- he just plays that part so well. Just that cool. little sinisterness to him that you don't quite, can't get your finger on. And I don't know if you remember when, on our Dawn of the Dead episode, you know, all three of us with Crazy Uncle Seth, we talked about how sometimes it's hard to not a very, like, famous character that an actor's played like we talked about uh like steve dunphy or i can't remember the actor's name but um how like while he's doing that he had like you could see certain shades of that character uh, from modern family and then the same goes with like oh brian cranston for breaking bad and like you know all these all these big name actors that played these certain characters for so long the same goes for anthony hopkins because like i I want to say he was at least nominated for an Academy Award um, for the Silence of the Land. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I don't know if he won. I know uh, Jodie Foster won. I don't know if he did. He should have. But let's move on to the next character. We got Lucy Westenra, played by Sadie Frost. I don't really know much about Sadie Frost, actually. Do you know anything about her? Uh, no, I do not. I, I'm trying to remember if I look, tried to look her up. I didn't really like, like, she didn't do a ton, it looked like. Yeah. I mean, she's been in, like, yeah, some, like, smaller movies. Nothing that, like, really pops out. But she's from the UK. Definitely looks like she's from the UK as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, Lucy is Mina's best friend and a vibrant young woman. She is engaged to three suitors, but falls victims falls victim to Dracula's seduction, turning her into a vampire. As a vampire, Lucy becomes sensual and seductive, preying on young children. Her transformation serves as a stark contrast to her former innocence, symbolizing the corrupting influence of the vampire. Um, yeah. I did, I was, I was super confused right away when, like, the guy kept announcing the, the dudes coming in, and she's, like, walking up to each of them, like, kissing them and stuff. I was like, what's going on here? And I'm like, wait, she's engaged to all three of them? And then she's gonna have to choose? It's like, Man, imagine, like, how hard it would be to, like, get a wife back in those days. <laughs> like, women were able to be like, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be engaged to you. And, then, like, you're basically having to, like, show how much wealth you have. It would be so tough. Yeah. Okay, what are your thoughts on Lucy? Because Lucy, she, uh, she was kind of, um, it, it, every time that we focused on Lucy, I felt like we were, like, div- diverting from the main plot. And it confused me because I'm like, isn't he? Why is he even? Fo- why is Dracula even focusing on Lucy? Why? Because he's going after Mina. Do you have any insight on that? Well, I guess the first thing I'd say about Lucy for that that uh, time, I think, what was it? The eighteen some eighteen nineties nineties when it you know is taking place. I'm like, she seemed like a total sorority girl. I mean, she just was. Happy-go-lucky, like you said. I think they were just all suitors, and or you know, I'm not sure. I know we'll get into those those guys here too, but I'm not sure if she was engaged or was maybe with one, but just had that kind of a personality. Just give me a kiss, give me a hug, and I mean, she was pretty attractive. Who wouldn't do it, you know? But in that time, you'd be you'd think it'd be a little more looked down upon. So, um, yeah, I don't know. She was a I'm not really sure where she fit into the whole um, with Dracula trying to use her to get to Mina. I don't know if it's just because she is her best friend. So he thought, 
maybe her focusing on Lucy might keep her distracted from thinking about Jonathan. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. That's a good point, though. I guess my other thought with Lucy is, you know, she just seemed like she just had a, a you know, zelt for life. She was just happy, you know. I mean, even if it was just her and Mina, she'd be, she knew Mina was kind of, like you said, shy. And I think she kind of teased her and they yeah. got this book of sex positions. And she's like, I did that last night. And, you know, she just, so I don't know if he could see just all that life in her. And maybe that was kind of a draw to him to, to almost want to take that, some of that away from her. You know, maybe that's just part of his perversion too is you know she's so full of life i'm gonna take her life and control it and eventually take it or whatever so yeah that's a good point because i think when i was watching i was thinking like is he trying to like almost like incapacitate her because she's a distraction to mina i'm gonna i'm gonna seduce lucy and then give her the bite and she's gonna be like so sick that she's gonna be like bedridden and you know kind of be out of the way because I don't know if he saw her as like a threat to his pursuit of of Mina or something, but yeah, I I obviously like I clearly feel like that there's like probably four or five chapters in the book where they cover his pursuit of Lucy and all of the you know motives behind it. Yeah, yeah, but we did. We I mean, yeah, that very well could be too. You know, I mean, if she's laying around in bed all day and then maybe that's when Mina starts going out with the count more, you know, to be out and about and Lucy's not really up to it. Yeah. So Um, yeah, that really could be part of it as well. I was going to like bring up, we can bring this up in key scenes, but it's just on my mind now. So I'll bring it up, but it it does make sense because of, uh, because we're talking about the character of Lucy. When, when Mina encounters in like that garden maze when she encounters the wolf man like oh. having sex with Mina or Lucy and like biting her and stuff yeah were you confused you mean as far as what he did when he saw her well or just the so he did that and then he's like don't see me now that was his line yeah but my confusion was like i didn't know that he could they didn't tell you in the movie until later that he could shapeshift into a werewolf. Yeah, he does a lot of shapeshifting. But, like, that one threw me off because it's, like, a werewolf. And, like, those are usually werewolves and uh, vampires Vampire. are p- pitted against each other, you know? So, I'm not yeah. going to lie. I was so confused. I thought that that was freaking Jonathan Harkin at first. I was like, did he turn? Oh. And, then, like, later on, we're going to get, like, a, a werewolf and a, a vampire fight at the end. I was like, I was, like, a little little bit of wishful thinking there you know you know but i think there's always been in the lore that i think dracula could turn into a wolf yeah you know because like when he attacks lucy to finally i guess kill her he attacks her as a wolf so i don't know because you know when he was in that form when he was you know doing whatever he was doing to her biting her and look like they're having sex but i don't you know he didn't have like a big muzzle so it it was kind of a confusing look. Like you said, I'm like, is he supposed to be a werewolf? Is it just another like rendition of a bat? In a way? I don't know. It was, a little, yeah, I can see where, yeah, that was kind of confusing too. And, but I guess I've always 
in other movies where Dracula could turn into a wolf, but not a werewolf. But I, I don't know, because, yeah, they've always been kind of immortal enemies or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a, yeah, that was a little confusing. Okay, glad I wasn't the only one. But, um, yeah, let's let's move on to our next character. Okay. Next character is Renfield, played by Tom Waits. So, Renfield is a patient at a mental asylum who is under Dracula's control. He serves as a minion to the vampire, consuming insects and animals to gain their life force. Renfield is portrayed as manic and eccentric, providing moments of dark humor. His character illustrates the extent of Dracula's power. Um, I haven't seen the new Renfield movie, but uh, I'm assuming that that Renfield's nothing like this Renfield. (laughs) Um, No, no. But it was like another one of those things where I put two and two together. I was like, oh, Renfield. Like, I thought like Renfield was just like a random like name that they gave that movie. And I was like, oh, Renfield goes back to the book as like his little minion, basically. I mean, he's a little bit like Dr. Frankenstein's Igor. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, that's that that's true. So, I mean, didn't he did he end up killing him? I Is believe he did. Okay. He was like slamming him into the gate. Yeah, because he basically was like he Renfield's character was somewhat a vehicle of exposition, right? Cuz like sometimes like Mina goes in there to have a conversation with him to learn about who who he is and uh or who Renfield is and who the count is and what he wants and then just from him spouting spouting off from his like cell you got a little bit of you know exposition from that about him going to Transylvania to you know deal with his real estate and then becoming he was bit wasn't he or was he not he was what was he bit or not i don't think he was because that's what he would keep saying. You promised me immortality, you know? And yeah. So I guess it just came to me. I think there's a way that Dracula can, has like, I think they call it thrall, where he can um, put push his wheel on people. And I think sometimes it depends on how weak a mind a person may have. Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, we don't get like a ton. Like we just get a lot of like, uh, little scenes with him. I I do want to mention. I I think it was fucking hilarious that the like a insane asylum like henchmen or like um, orderlies were had to wear yeah. those like cages around their head. Like, dude, like, bite. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, wait, he get like bitten or is he just doing that because he's crazy? I guess it must have been. They were pretty big guys, but I suppose so. They didn't get bit or. Or you know, scratched or what in their faces? Yeah, but apparently, but um, let's let's move on to the next character. Could I just say, you know, the thing about Renfield, is, you know, it's so, you know, the I don't know if he kind of, you know, eats bugs, you know, of different types, and I don't know if it's his way of like he's taken their life essence in that way, and he's. I don't know if it's a way to kind of show Dracula, I want to do this. I want to be able to do this with humans, you know, because it's kind of interesting dialogue when they're talking. He's like, why are you eating, you know, why are you eating flies? And then he eats a maggot and he's like, how about a kitten, you know? And then, well, how about a cat? Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, and he keeps wanting something bigger and then he attacks the doctor, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, but. 
I don't know, you know, he's kind of in a delusion of, you know, he wants to be a vampire so bad. Yeah. Right. Poor, poor guy just wants to be a vampire. Yeah. All right. Up next, we got Quincy Morris, portrayed by Bill Campbell. Um, Bill Campbell is uh, probably most well-known from his portrayal as the abusive husband from the movie Enough with Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. Um, Quincy is one of Lucy's three suitors and a Texan with a jovial and adventurous spirit. He is brave, charismatic, and fiercely loyal to his friends. Quincy's willingness to face danger head-on makes him a valuable ally in the fight against Dracula. He brings a sense of courage and camaraderie to the group. Let me just say this about Quincy. He's probably one of my favorite characters because he is, like, so chill and so brave and just so willing to step in there in the, you know, foot of danger. And also, like, when Lucy eventually picked uh, Arthur Holmwood, it's like, why are those two dudes still, like, hanging around? You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, yeah. he's like, it, it just showed, like, his authenticity of, like, no, he, like, really loves this girl. He really cares about her as a human being, and he wants to, like, protect her. So he's staying in England, and he's going to continue to do that. But what uh, what are your thoughts on Quincy? I, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's kind of hard to figure out him and, you know, the one we know is a doctor, but I don't know what he and – uh. The other gentlemen are, yep, we'll get into, but like, what, what do they do for work? But yeah, he seemed like he's very, you know, maybe he was a military man or, you know, he's a Texan they portray and yep. uh, very handy with weapons and seems, you know, it's like nothing really shook him what he would see, you know, he was willing to go right into it and had everyone's back at any moment they were trying to either protect or then uh, go after someone or whatever they're doing. I mean, he was very reliable and a strong character. Um, I just, I thought it's kind of interesting. I don't know if it's just for that time when he kept, uh, when it's that first initial party and they're all being announced and he's talking to her and he keeps calling her little girl. And I'm like, that's kind of weird if you're kind of courting her, but you're calling her little girl. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if that in that time would be considered a term of endearment or it seemed a little creepy to me, but it was, it was really odd. And I think he was the first one that walked in, if I remember correctly. So when she yeah. ran up and she like hugged him and like gave him a kiss on the cheek or something, yeah. I don't know if, if it was like, this is a lifelong friend that I I love, and he's like a protector of mine. And he and like when because when he said that, I was like, oh maybe. And then like he kept announcing, and then like these guys came in, and then she's like letting them smack her butt, and like I'm like, what is what is going on in here? Yeah, well, and then Mina though too, when she was sitting there with uh, or I'm sorry, Mina, and when he came in, she kind of said, you know, oh he's he's so big or handsome and and she runs over to him she's like you know got her back to her can i see it can we pull it out and then she like pulled out his knife you know and 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 mina's like what is she you know almost her mind's going like is she gonna grab his you know so just that sexual innuendo that lucy just portrays with you know it's pretty interesting for that time period some of the things she did with those guys (laughs) yeah i mean it was definitely wild. It was definitely yeah. Like, Didn't seem like guys... any parents were around. It seemed like it was just them. I mean. Those guys were bros, though. They all loved each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't care. But 
Um, unfortunately, Quincy does die in this film. Out of everyone, I'm like, why did you have to pick Quincy to die? You know? Yeah. He, uh, he gets, like, gashed by Count Dracula or something. Well, he got stabbed in the back. Is that what happened? I thought it was when he was well, up by the box. and. Well, no, he, he got up on the box and one of those henchmen stabbed him in the back. and then oh. But he turned around and fought him off and he kept fighting. And then he jumped up again and he stabbed Dracula with his knife. But then, yeah, Dracula backhand and that was pretty much what did him in. Shit. But it just shows how, you know, he had everyone's back. You know, he, he would not quit until... Dracula was dead, so... Quincy was the hero of this film. Yeah, yeah. Essentially. Well, let's move on to another one of Lucy's lovers, and I guess you would call him the main lover, Arthur Holmwood, played by Carrie Elway. Carrie Elways was in Robin Hood, Men in Tights, um, Princess Bride, right? Yeah. Princess Bride, Saw, um, Kiss the Girls. I mean, this dude's been in a lot of movies. He actually just crush <laughs> he actually just strolled through uh my town here this summer he did like a little uh, meet and greet type thing downtown oh. it was pretty cool but it was like 150 dollars to go to it and i was like ah, i don't I, mean, oh. I like him but i don't like him yeah but uh anyways arthur is another of lucy's suitors and a member of the british aristocracy he is initially portrayed as a refined and gentle gentleman However, as the story progresses and Lucy's condition worsens, Arthur's grief and determination to save her reveal his strength and vulnerability. He adds a touch of nobility to the group's efforts. Uh, what did you what What you think of good old Arthur? Can I first ask? Did you mention Men in Tights? Yeah, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, I love you know just going back to Jonathan's uh, changing act, you know English accent. That's one of my favorite lines in uh, Men in Tights. He says, I can play Robin Hood and I have an English accent. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like others that play it, like Kevin Costner is like, they didn't have a, a good English accent. And yeah, but yeah, he he also, I mean, there were a lot of characters that had some major arcs. I mean, being okay with Lucy being, you know, so flamboyant with his, his friends, because I assume they were kind of together mainly but you know she's still you know like these are our old friends and just how it was and he seemed like all prim and proper and as things continued to progress you know he he really questioned what van helsing's method or what he was you know when he went to give her blood he's like what are you doing to her you know and then yeah when she's dead and they're going down there and he's like confused what you're gonna desecrate you know i mean so he, you know, um, Quincy never really questioned anything, but here Arthur, you know, he's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? This is barbaric. And as it goes, he starts to learn the scary truth. Yeah. Of, you know what the whole situation is. And I think that brings out even more of his, you know, more bravery than he maybe even knew he had. I th- and. Yeah, I- I think it would have been really easy for them. Like it would have been a lazy way to write the character if they would have kept him as like a realist and like grounded and like always like in denial. I like that they yeah. gave him like a character arc of like, I'm going to push back on this for a bit and be a realist. But after like 
seeing her walking down the steps with the child and like Ooh. with the fangs and drink drinking the blood and like he's like okay i'm all in like we need to chop this bitch's head off <laughs> <laughs> well just when he goes to to uh plunge the stake in her chest and i thought there'd be more hesitation i couldn't remember and he's pretty much he's just like Oh, and then he just does it. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I would have thought he'd have kind of either tapped it maybe once or, I mean, he just went for it because he's like, this is not right. You know, I think he was maybe more of a man of faith than some of the others possibly. And, you know, and, and which kind of made him naive to this whole idea. And yeah, sadly enough, as he was with them, those perceptions changed. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he did not hesitate. I, I, I'm that's actually so funny you bring that up because I was like, I was gonna talk about that. And be like, I was for sure, yeah, expecting like the, do we have to do this, doctor? And he's just like, fuck it, boom, 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 <laughs> just fucking just nails it in her. Yeah, that well, was he, pretty gnarly. Scene. I think he did question him, and then Van Helden, you need to do it, <laughs> you know, and then he and he just did it, and it's like, man, fuck it, all right, I guess we're doing this. I kind of like though when uh. Then Helmstein says a prayer, what he says to her to get her to go back in the, in her casket, you know, and lay back down and kind of lay still. And then she sits up and like vomits blood all over. And yes. <laughs> oh, those are always like, oh, they had to go, you know, that's probably one of the more gory things. You don't, you know, yeah. it's not as much blood as you'd kind of expect in this movie, but. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're kind of right about that. I mean. Well, I mean, we'll get into the practical effects, but they were pretty yeah. top-notch. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. We got just two more characters left, but we got Dr. John Seward, another one of uh, Lucy's suitors. But Dr. Seward is portrayed by Richard E. Grant. He is the head of the mental asylum where Renfield is a patient. He is pragmatic, intelligent, and compassionate. Dr. Seward becomes involved in the fight against Dracula when Lucy's condition deteriorates and seeks Professor Van Helsing's expertise. He represents the medical and scientific perspective in the battle against supernatural forces. All right. What did you think of Dr. John Seward? Do you think he was a good guy? Uh, I think he, yeah, I think he was a good guy. I think he he had such a responsibility being in charge of the mental institution and what all was going on there. And then here he's with these other people at a party and he's kind of clumsy and doesn't fit in, you know, I'm sure, you know, being a doctor, he's still not that well to do, but he still has these good friends that support him and whatnot. Um, but he's got a couple different sides to him. I was like, this guy almost could go kind of the Frankenstein direction, you know, kind of doing things with some of these inmates and, taking some drugs at times himself because i i could you imagine being in an institute like that hell no oh i thought the same thing i was like i'm sure he's got certain quarters in there where he's like doing experimental type stuff you know yeah yeah he i don't know just it looked it looked creepy he was but i mean hey he he's kind of the one who kicked off the 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 worry the worrying and the call to uh, Van Helsing to get him there. Yeah. So he knew he was out of his league in that respect. So yeah. Um, I mean, 
And I mean, he he joined the he joined the crew, and he he was there till the very end, and he was also another another brave one. Yeah, I mean, he he stood. I mean, that's one thing. They're a pretty strong group of friends. They all stood by each other. I mean, I couldn't. When you first are introduced to him, when he's walking into the party and trips over the the bear rug, and then he's like he's holding his shin, like, "Oh my god, I killed my leg!" and <laughs> and Lucy's just like there, like he's a little boy, just like comforting him, and to see him to you know riding on riding with the guys on horses and all that action. We'll talk about. I mean, he he. I mean, I think they all the characters really didn't have much of a choice, but grew pretty interestingly as the movie went on so yeah no doubt all right our last character i guess characters i kind of just grouped them all together but the brides of dracula dracula's three brides are mysterious and seductive vampire women who reside in his castle they are both alluring and terrifying embodying the sensual aspects of vampire lore these characters add an element of dark sensuality to the story and underscore Dracula's control over both the living and the dead. Okay, so my question for you, Donnie, is: Are <laughs> Dracula's Dracula's brides were, were those his attempts to like reconnect with a human and like you know what I mean? Like, were those supposed to be his wives and he just like grew tired of them over time and just like had them living in a different part of the castle? Um, I'm not really sure. Again, I think that's where reading the book would be an advantage. Maybe they give more of a synopsis of what that's all about, because I don't know if, if they're just a means to draw, you know, he can obviously get the ladies and maybe a few of the men, but maybe they can draw in more men to, you know, into their parlor, so to speak. And, um, and I I don't know if there's, you know, any kind of, sexuality between him and them as well you know i don't know that much in other movies they kind of make it seem like he's got a a strong relationship with them as well and yeah uh so yeah i don't know i was gonna just make a comment one of them is uh monica belusi oh yep and she was in the matrix oh she is a gorgeous woman i don't know the other two but i mean they were all very pretty but she is. She's had quite a successful career too. Yeah, she was in uh, Spectre, Matrix Reloaded, Passion of the Christ, and uh, she's going to be in Beetlejuice too. Wow. Oh. Oh. Huh. That's kind of wait. Yeah, she was in the Matrix movies and. Yeah. Um, I don't even like remember her from those films. From which ones? The Matrix ones. Remember, uh, with the two twins that could phase in and out. Yeah. She was at that table with her husband, and then he gives that blonde woman a piece of cake to eat, and then you can see it, like, oh, excited I... her. And then she tells him, you have lipstick, and he's like, I don't have any lipstick. It's not on your face, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So she kind of helped them get to the key master, whatever that guy was, key maker. She's like, she wears that red suit. Uh, I think she's dress. in a gray one, because she, she took him to, you know, through the one door to their uh kind of that castle hideaway and, okay, and then they okay. get stuck there but don't want to go all that much into matrix right yeah. now yeah all i gotta but say she, she's a beautiful lady i'll tell you she's 58 she still looks pretty damn good oh yeah yeah all right well uh 
Yeah, like like I just said about the whole thing with the brides. I mean, they obviously like seduced Jonathan, and I mean, I mean, even Mina says like him being unfaithful in that moment wasn't his fault. So clearly, stuff happened while he was in those chambers, and beyond them, just like feeding off of him. So, well, you saw the first time he encountered them. Yeah, I mean, they made it seem like you know. They were doing a lot more to him than when you'd look in the mirror. Of course, they wouldn't have a reflection, but it looked like his shirt was open when they're on him. But then when from the reflection, it wasn't, you know, so. uh, But I I mean, it seems like a lot of Dracula movies always have these three brides. And, you know, Van Helsing had the three, you know, that Dracula had three brides that were trying to make these creature babies or whatever. And. Yeah, uh, there was another Dracula 2000 where Jerry Ryan actually played uh, one of the three brides in that one. So it okay. seems like they come up quite often in a lot of those movies. Well, every man needs a bride. Yeah, I don't know their overall purpose. I would think number one would be to draw in more victims, men victims. Yeah, but that makes sense. That was so creepy when he brought him that baby. Ugh. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, ugh, that hits different. I think now. that was Keanu's best acting of the whole movie was reacting to that. That was like, oh. Yeah. That was horrible. You know, horrible idea, but. Terrible. Well, all right. We've gone through all of the characters, so I think we're good to kind of move on to some of the key scenes here. So we can kind of, like, expand on some of the stuff that we uh, simply broached on uh, the character list. Yeah. Yep. All right. So I have seven key scenes that we'll discuss. It'll be our talking point. Okay. So the opening sequence, obviously with Vlad the Impaler, also known as Count Dracula, the film opens with a visually striking sequence that delves into the historical background of Count Dracula through a combination of elaborate costumes and practical effects. The audience is introduced to the Vlad the Impaler. Love his, like, red suit that looks awesome. Yeah. His battle armor. A noble warrior who becomes a vampire after losing his beloved wife commits suicide because she thinks that uh, he's dead. This haunting prologue sets the tone for the film's themes of eternal love and tragic loss. Um, So what are your thoughts on that opening scene? Like, I'll just just say, like, I, I didn't even realize that the 2014 Dracula Untold was basically, like, emulating the beginning of this movie <laughs> if you know what oh, i mean i don't know yep. if you saw that but um, yeah yeah i didn't know like he was this warrior that went on a quest to defeat an army and then came back you know heartbroken and and i thought i thought he encountered a another vampire to become dracula but you know maybe you can get into that and how he turned what, what are your thoughts on that first opening sequence yeah it's you know interesting because I think he is portrayed on a true actual like king warrior that did that where they would torture you know living people there I, there's something where they knew a way to put a spear from the bottom through the butt all the way up through the mouth without piercing any vital organs so the person would be on there suffering and I think Jesus. that's from actual historical events i think there yeah. was a person like that vlad the impaler was, was a i think that's person. the actual name right yep yeah so and i think they just you know went on with the story of that and 
um yeah it was you know it didn't get super into it but i mean it still you know could see it was a gory scary battle and um just seems really odd that all you had to do is shoot a, a note to your into the castle to make you know does the whole group just give up because they think their king is dead i mean yeah that seemed a little odd way to do it maybe if they would have got into the castle so she didn't want to be captured so she killed herself maybe but again i don't know if that's how it is in the book right yeah i don't, right. I don't know but the opening scene is like so you, you notice that one of the priests was portrayed by anthony hopkins right yeah yeah so he had two roles in this in this movie but um I know like some, some of the scenes kind of felt sped up. This is one of them where I'm like, ah, God, a lot of shit's kind of happening really fast right now. But I think it's probably because in the book it's, you know, over explained and fleshed out a little more. And they're like, Oh, we've got a two hour movie. We got to, you know, stick to the script here. So yeah. Um, like, do you know any of like the meaning or the, the truth behind him stabbing the cross and drinking the blood from trickling down from his sword. No, again, I don't, I don't know enough about, you know, the origin of Dracula, each of the movies I've ever seen, not a lot of them go into that much of a detail. So I got to assume that's from the book. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that's probably the beginning of it all. And then all these other people kind of rewrote them and did them different ways. Because it always seems like when Jack Dracula is defeated, any other vampires that he had sired are all defeated too. You know, right. like almost like the bloodline is ended. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't know if, you know, that's interesting way to do it. You know, I guess denouncing God and then stabbing the cross. And then I guess God, you know, denounced him. Yeah. At least that's how they're portraying it. And I guess it's kind of an interesting idea. So, because you know, it's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? So, how <laughs> did the very first vampire become? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, let's move on to scene number two, Jonathan Harker's journey to Dracula's castle. The journey to Count Dracula's castle is a blend of gothic horror and eerie beauty. As Jonathan Harker travels through the Carpathian Mountains, the landscape transforms from picturesque to ominous. The eerie atmosphere and the introduction of supernatural elements serve to foreshadow the impending encounter with Count Dracula. Um, that was a pretty intense scene. Like, I think I mentioned that that was like the only scene that I've ever seen from this movie before, like bits and pieces of it where, oh, you know, he's like, he's got like, it almost looks like he's got like white powder all over his face. He's like creepy looking and he like, you know, Jonathan cuts himself on on his razor blade. He takes it, turns around, and like licks it, and like I don't know. It's just and then like the shadow work is pretty crazy. You know, like, yeah, doing one thing and then the shadows are doing something else. Like, well, and that's was, why he cut himself. Is like he reached out and touched his shoulder, but you don't see the hand in the mirror. Yeah. And then you know he kind of reacts, and that's why he cuts himself. And then he looks, but Dracula's back in the doorway. Yep. You know, and it's like, but like you said, the the. The shadow kind of looks like him, but it's not him ever. It's always doing little different things or the, you know, changing of the light to it. I mean, it's really an interesting take on, you know, yeah, almost like he's a walking just fog in a way. It's like you don't really know where he is. It, yeah. And it, it's kind of hard, like in this scene, because you don't like until 
you know, Count Dracula is not afraid to fully reveal that he is a vampire, you know, by scaling the side of the castle while he's looking out the window. Yeah. Everything before that, I mean, Jonathan Harker is pretty, pretty suspicious, but he's, he's being, he's like being very coy. And I'm like, not sure what his, like, what do you think his, his intentions were before he saw Mina's picture? Do you think he was going to kill Jonathan? Uh, I don't know. Was he going to do like he did with Renfield? Because wasn't that Renfield went there and then he comes yep. back crazy. And I guess they kind of had something he wanted helping him uh, acquire different landmarks in the town to be able to move throughout without much difficulty. I, I don't. Yeah, it's it's hard to know what his first intentions were. I mean, just to get him there to feed on. But then once he sees Mina's picture and that changes his plan but yeah i think wasn't he already they would show like his eyes in the sky and there was a storm coming and yeah i i did i should have paid better attention to see if did all all that didn't begin until he saw mina's picture i can't quite recall i think it was probably after he saw that just because he was trying to figure out where she was yeah yeah but well, I don't know if he knew there was someone that looked like his wife. I think when he finally sees that picture, he's like, you know, oh my gosh, she lives. And, you know, this this young man is my ticket to her. Yeah, and it's been like four hundred ish years, right? That he's been Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So it almost feels like he's on his last, I don't know, like century of life or something. Like I wonder what he's been doing. Because it seems like he's just been kind of this, like, seclude and I don't know. Well, getting back to it, when you're talking about Jonathan's just traveling to Transylvania when he's on the train and it looks just nice. And as soon as the the one stagecoach coach stops and the other, the occupants essentially boot him out and <laughs> so they can get going from there on. I mean, it's just dreary and freaky and wolves and... I'm like, I don't know if the whole area is probably desolate because of Amp Dracula and uh, and that's just what he's done because that's all he knew to do. And now he's got a new purpose, maybe. And and, and uh, what about what does the Blue Inferno have to yeah. do with anything? I wasn't sure what that is. That like some kind of a protection barrier against anyone that may try to get in. So only because Jonathan was in the coach that he could. I don't know because it. I mean, I don't want to get into a later scene yet, but I we've seen we see it again, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. So I'm not really sure what that was all about. If that just represents like re- represents like brimstone fire or what? Just because it's e- you're entering an evil area, I'm not really sure huh. what that symbolism was. Yeah, that that that's a that's interesting. That's an interesting point. So yeah. Huh. I was going to ask that, so yeah, I'm not really sure. Okay, well, I think we covered that one pretty well between the character, both the characters of Dracula and Jonathan and this yeah. scene. So. Can, I, can I just say, when he's getting onto the, sec- the second coach and that thing reaches way over and almost like it just carries him in, it's like, how are you not, like, freaking out? And then you're in that coach and there are wolves and you're on an edge and... Oh. He looked pretty, I mean, you could see he was uneasy, but I would be about crap in my pants at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so many red flags. I, I think if my employer was like, 
hey, you're, we need to send you to Transylvania to replace our employee that we sent there that's now come back and said that the, the guy that he met is uh, his master and he's in this insane asylum. I'd be like, yeah, fuck that. I'm, I'm not doing that. No way. You know, but uh, Van Helsing does mention syphilis, though they maybe thought maybe one of the brides gave him syphilis and he's just gone crazy. Oh my god, are you serious? I missed that. <laughs> I, yeah, don't you remember him saying about syphilis, syphilisitis or something? And when he was in the presenting about, you know, he lets that I was so weird that he let the bat bite him. Yes, I do. I'm like, why that. the hell would you let that thing bite you, man? That's the uh, rabies and Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, now I do remember. That's funny. I think I was I think I was so distracted by like, holy shit, that's the auditorium yeah yeah that was pretty cool all right so we'll we'll move on to our next key scene here and that's dracula's seduction of mina Uh, a pivotal scene in the film dracula's seduction of mina exemplifies the movie's exploration of love and obsession through a combination of visual effects and sensuous imagery dracula's allure becomes apparent as he takes advantage of mina's resemblance to his deceased wife the scene captures the intoxicating power of the vampire and his ability to manipulate human emotions. Um, I think this probably just encapsulates like all of the like romantic and pursuit scenes of, of the Dracula and, and, and Mina. But yeah, I mean, obviously she was resisting his his attempts at first, but. Like we kind of talked about, like he he has he's able he has that allure and he he's able to hypnotize and like seduce to some extent where like I mean even think about the scene where he turns into fog and he gets into the the doctor's quarters and he's they're like making out on the bed and stuff like that and then she like begs him to to like bite her and like turn her basically and yeah like it. It's weird because, you know, that's another character reflection of uh, Count Dracula where it's like he's 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 wanted this. But now he's like unsure if he wants to give her that life, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. What what are your thoughts on on this? Well, you know, going back to that scene where he's with Lucy in the garden and then he's been looks like he's a werewolf. And then Mina walks down. It's kind of odd that he was surprised by her. You'd yeah. think he'd be sense, you know, he could sense her, and and then he he kind of looks at her, and all of a sudden he sees her blood, her circulatory system, and into her brain, and he's like, and then he tells her, "You do not see me," but he needs to make that eye contact, and yeah. then like with a flash of light, he's gone. So maybe she's just thinking, "Oh, my imagination is going wild," but then when he first encounters her again in the street, you know, it's interesting. First, he's walking through the street. But he, they're they're portraying like at his speed, so it's like it's almost in one of those old movies where it's just sped up. Yeah. But then as soon as he sees her, it's like he slows down to that, you know, to our moment. And he makes he he says, "Look at me," doesn't he? And he yeah. wants to make eye contact because I think when he does that, he's able to slowly, uh, you know, kind of uh, what the heck's that called? Not well, kind of seduce. But I'll think of the word. It's I can't think of it right now. But yeah, no, yeah. I, I get you. And it's like when you're first watching him and his attempts and like, I mean, he's persistent. But at some point he's like, oh, you're married. Well, I'll be on my way. And it's like like a few times I'm like, is he like, is he just going to give up? You know, is he is he 
is that he dumb? But I think that was all part of his like his ploy to to try to get her in his in his arms. And I was like, wow, he's actually kind of being like a gentleman, and maybe she's actually safe with. Him. And then he like he gets so aggro with her when he like when when they're in that uh where were they where, when he like pulls her into that room and he wants to bite her but then he like stops oh her. yeah they're weren't they at the picture the those kind of racy movie pictures and yeah yeah that's where it was and then he says don't don't defy me or something then he grabs her by the arm then yeah he's like pulling her and she's kind of struggling but yeah and, I... and, and I think that's the first time where you alluded to when he was did that was the mist and went into the doctor's home in the bedroom. And but in that, you know, he has her there and he turns and all of a sudden his eyes, he opens his eyes, they're red and then his fangs come out. But all of a sudden he stops himself in the picture show. Yep. And it's almost like he has second, you know, second doubts about should I do this? And, you know, and then she gets away from him. But then that wolf kind of. Um, I guess holds her still, and then he can use that as another to show I am, you know, I am a protector of you. This wolf will not bother you. You can come and pet it, and yeah. So it's like he's trying to slowly win her trust. Yeah, it's almost like he's like, this isn't the right way to do it. Yeah, you know, he's like, he's impatient, but and and then he kind of has these like spontaneous reactions, and then he's like, no, no, like. Let's do this the right way. I'm gonna wine and dine her. I'm gonna I'm gonna make her fall in love with me instead yeah. of like forcing her to become a vampire and having like absolutely no choice. But who knows if if either way she had a a choice of getting away. Um, yeah. Well, let's move on to the another scene I want to talk about. Let's talk about Lucy's transformation. So Lucy's transformation into a vampire is a visually stunning and disturbing sequence set in an otherworldly worldly environment the scene showcases lucy's physical and emotional metamorphosis the juxtaposition of her initial innocent innocence with her subsequent sensual and predatory behavior illustrates the corrupting influence of dracula's dark power um that was uh like the scene that i think about is when she's like oh quincy won't you come here and just give me a kiss yeah it's like what are you doing dude like why are you like getting near her and then and he's she's climbing like, onto the bed. Yeah. And I mean, she's not really well dressed, which yeah. is a little <laughs> And there's like two or three other people in the room. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought it was weird. And and again, I don't know if she was trans you know, she was transforming. Maybe she kinda had a a hold on them in a way when she would speak and uh, you know. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll get into the crypt part here in a little bit. So that'll come up again. Yeah, but basically, like, you start seeing the fangs show up, and this obviously prompts uh, Van Helsing to open up his vampire book and, and do some research and trying to figure out, like, what's wrong with her. Uh, but you need to remind me of, of exactly what happened when when uh, Quincy and Arthur are guarding her one night, and then Dracula turns into that wolf and, like, breaks through the window or, like, I don't even know if that actually happened. It might've just been like all in her head, but it starts like attacking her. Right. Yeah. Cause I think he's a wolf then. Right. Yeah, exactly. Cause I think Quincy was just kind of walking through the, you know, whatever the garden area kind of just on, you know, he's got his rifle and he's kind of just in, 
you know, kind of guard duty. And then they kind of show them and then like what, you know, I guess as the wolf, it kind of approaches quickly, quickly. And then all of a sudden it's on him before he can really even react. And I think all he did is knock him out. And then Arthur sitting in the chair and then all of a sudden he hears something, tries to get up and then something just, just invisibly flungs him across the room. And then all of a sudden the wolf is out. Well, I think isn't he first himself outside the, the window and says you cannot um escape me or something and then that's when he jumps through but he turns into a wolf oh you're right yeah and then he's, yeah and then he they show him they don't really show it on her it's like it shows it like it's like growling grabbing biting but then it just shows her struggling but they don't show the actual act of it tearing her throat out or whatever it's doing to her oh yeah because she was like dead after that right and that's when they yeah, in the coffin and that's when oh yeah i forgot we, we didn't talk about the scene where it was kind of funny where it was like uh van helsing's like shows up to the wedding or the not the wedding the the funeral and he's like yeah we're gonna drive a stake through your heart right is that he say, say something along those lines <laughs> well he, he calls uh uh doctor what's doctor is it jack john john he kind of calls him over from the group and he's like Hey, yeah, we're gonna have to go in and stake her in the heart and cut her head off. <laughs> you know, just like yeah. matter of factly, and then John just kind of looks at him, and just walks away. <laughs> like, what? The? I think he's drinking. You know, I mean, that's where that little eccentricness is. Just to him, it's like, oh well. You know, yeah, he like, kind of oh. does that at a dinner table too. We'll talk, I'm sure, about that. Oh yeah, yeah. Where he's like, doctor, <laughs> please. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I know we, we kind of talked a little bit about the the crypt scene but yeah they they go down into this like ginormous like grave that she, what are those called oh i mean that that was like beyond just your normal crypt really it was like a temple yeah <laughs> i mean it's weird that it went down into the earth so far and all that just for her unless yeah. that's where the whole family ends up i don't know as they die but looked like she was the only coffin in there right yeah and then so yeah they get down there and they they discover that the the casket is is empty and then they hear um lucy walking down the steps you know obviously in full vampire mode she's been drinking the blood of a child which is like obviously super disturbing and then uh like we mentioned before the a battle ensues where they you know take out Van Helsing takes out the cross and gets her back into the coffin. And uh, ultimately, Arthur, you know, drives a stake through her heart. And I can't, was it Hel- Van Helsing that chopped her head off? He's uh, Arthur's still in denial and he's yelling at Van Helsing, What did you, you do with her? You know, and, oh, yeah. and freaking out. And then, you know, he's just like, Well, she's now part of the night. She's a creature of the, you know, and he just, matter of factly, telling her he's the walking dead, you know, and. Um, and then all of a sudden they hear something and he's like, here, hide, hide. And, you know, Arthur is just still just dumbfounded, confused. And then here she comes walking with a child. And uh, and then that's where, you know, they kind of confront her and she drops the child. They get the child away. And then she sees Arthur and she says, Arthur, come to me. I need you in my arms. And and Arthur's almost like in a trance. And that's when Van Helsing steps in front with the with the uh, crucifix and then says some Latin, whatever. And that pushes her back into the coffin. And I think at that point, Arthur's starting to realize, well, all these been saying is, is right and true. Yep. That was like his turning point basically. But yeah, 
They cut the bitch's head off. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's important. Sure is. That's, you know, I mean, enough mo- uh, horror movies I've watched, I'm like, you got to shoot them in the head. Everybody, I don't care what you think they're dead, shoot them in the head. Vampires, you got to chop that head off. Yep. Just got to yeah. leave no doubt. You just got to desecrate the entire body. Fucking yep. lay, it on, lay it on fire. Yep, well. yep. All right, so let's move on to Dracula's final confrontation. So the climax of the film features a dramatic confrontation for protagonist and Count Dracula in this Transylvanian castle. This visually stunning sequence involves elaborate set design and practical effects, creating a surreal and nightmarish atmosphere. The battle is not only physical, but also psychological, as the characters confront their deepest fears and desires. Now, before we get into this, I do want to mention, like, the really cool... I guess it wasn't really a battle scene, but when they go to, um, like, where he's kept all of his Transylvanian soil in the boxes, and they're, like, destroying them all. Oh, yeah. That was kind of cool to see him, like, when he was, like, hanging upside down as, like, a weird look. He almost looked like a chupacabra. And then he, like, flies into talks to Renfield like we talked about then Lucy and he changes her turns her yeah. into a vampire but uh, I mean you know my hate for rodent type creatures so when they come into the into the room to confront him in there and he like turns into a thousand rats yeah and they all started dropping dude that was nasty I mean you know again that was kind of an odd thing that when they walk in and she's like on the bed by herself, but it looks like she's embracing something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he drops his head, you know, and he's this giant human sized bat. Yep. And it's a little like, why wasn't he like that when he was doing whatever with Lucy? That's kind of strange. I don't know. That was, so he really does have a lot of transformation uh, looks. It's like, what's his true self? You wonder if that's his true self or, or what? Yeah, that's a good point. It's like never really explained fully. It's just he's got so many different versions and forms of himself that like clearly we know the the younger and more human looking, that's not his true form. Yeah. So it's, it's either the the form that he takes from the beginning of the of the movie or like when he's more creature looking. Yeah. So, um but yeah, I wanted to touch on that before we got to the final confrontation because obviously like um they're in that race against time while they're on the train to get to transylvania trying to beat him and then he's taking it by sea and uh i mean that was a pretty like like pretty big action sequence i was kind of surprised at the end where they're like chasing them on horseback and yeah while he's on the wagon and like who did he hire who who were those like guardians that he had um I remember, you know, in the beginning when Jonathan's at the castle and he's watching them, he says they toil all day to put, you know, dirt in the boxes. You know, he didn't quite understand what that was about. I can't remember. If, I don't know if he called them gypsies or yeah, or, or what exactly, but obviously it's his henchmen that do his daily, you know, things for the day. Yep. Um, I was going to say just going back to when you said that when he went when he was the the giant bat and then he backs up into the dark and you can just see his his red eyes oh, and they're yeah. like keep him in the light i the very first time i saw this movie like you said when they all of a sudden just all these rats just drop you're like and it's kind of funny these guys are looking at probably the most horrible thing you could ever see in this giant bat 
And then they're all freaking out because these rats are running by the seats. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're just totally disgusted. And I mean, that's how I'd be too. I mean, I'm not afraid of them, but if I saw something like that running at me, I would freak out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'd be fucking grossed out. That'd be nasty. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, you know, just a cool, I mean, for 92, I mean, what'd you say? 40 million. I mean, they had some pretty good effects in that. I mean, I don't know if that's a lot of money in 92. It probably is fairly good, but. I would say that's a lot in 92 yeah. because I think if you adjust for inflation, it's probably maybe not double Boy. the amount now, but pretty close. Yeah. So it'd probably be equivalent to like a 65, $70 million movie nowadays. And like, think about some of the movies that come out with that type of budget. And like, that's pretty, that's pretty like high, high quality. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's pretty long running time for back then. Two hours. Yeah. Yeah. What did you say in 92? I don't know. A lot of shows were that long. I mean, unless you're the Godfather. Yeah. Not I like don't... a lot of horror films at least. Uh-uh. But I mean, I'm sure the book for this is ginormous. So they had to make it longer. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I thought it was cool that they're fighting off these guys. And then uh, <clears throat> you're getting like the, the shots of Dracula, like in the in the box within the Transylvanian soil, because it like keeps him, I don't know, like gives him power, re- lets him rest or something. But um, they're also fighting against the sunset, yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. And and, and like didn't they just beat it right where where Quincy drives his knife through Dracula's chest, right? Yeah, I think it was right at. You know, because, you know, that's what's so cool. They're chasing. They show that the sun just going quicker and quicker to sunset. And then they're chasing and they get there. Because um, I know, you know, initially, you know, when Van Helsing is describing Dracula, he is able to walk during the day, but maybe just isn't quite as powerful and right, yeah, have all his powers. So that was probably part of it, too. So he maybe it wasn't maybe fully dark yet, so he wasn't at his full strength yet when they when the final battle scene occurred. So yeah. Oh, I also we forgot to mention the the scene where Mina was trying to seduce Van Helsing, and then oh. he like he like burns her face with like a well like a cross or something. I think it's almost like a like a. a a wafer you know like for take oh, the, the yes. bread of christ the body yep body of christ yes you're right and then he the the brides come after them remember and then he he makes yep. that like circle of fire yeah and he keeps them in there which was cool but here's my thing because remember that next morning he like tracks down the bride but we don't see it we just we just see that he like he cuts their heads off and he throws their heads in the river I'm like, that'd have been fucking cool to see, because I'm sure the book like has a whole chapter on that. You mean how he tracked him down? How he tracked him down, how he went into yeah. the little lair, if there was a confrontation, or like, I don't know, it was a pretty brave dude just to do that all by himself. Yeah. But I just wanted to make note of that, that that's how the, the brides got dispatched. You know what I mean? I it was It was, you could tell it was daytime when he did it. Yep. You know, kind of like going back to, uh, oh, shoot, what's that movie with Corey Haim? The two Corys. Uh, the Lost Boys. Lost Boys. When those, you know, the Frog Brothers went in and they're, it's daylight, so they're going to kill that vampire. And, uh, yeah. you know, you're like, holy shit, are you kidding me? I don't know if I could do that, even though it's daytime. But 
Yep. Well, I guess, yeah, if, you know, what more did he do than just cut their heads off? That's all he did. I guess that's all it takes. Right. As long yeah, as their bodies so. can't find their heads. I don't know how that works with vampires, but. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking, like, you can't cut them all, all three of them off at the same time. So I'm wondering, if you cut one off or you cut two off, you're going to wake up one of them, at, you think. Yeah. Who the hell knows? But I just wanted to make note of that. But uh, we're kind of getting to the tail end here. Well, so. let's just go a little more, though. It was kind of interesting where he's kind of um, preaching a little bit to her, and then she starts just seducing him and yeah, was that close to almost killing, you know, killing him. So it just shows that, you know, women vampire, you know, she wasn't fully turned, but obviously enough where she was able to enthrall him and almost got him, you know, took care of him and that would have been an interesting end we know that van helsing never dies i guess so yeah no i think yeah. like like once it's funny because it, it takes almost a full hour and 45 minutes where we you know finally get some answers to our questions because that was one of our questions of like so are they like hypnotizing and alluring like through seduction and like i think that basically answers our question because of how van helsing is like he's this vampire hunter and he like knows everything about him but he just like he still kind of fell under the spell but was able to shake it off at the last second yeah so yeah definitely but uh yeah like quincy stabs him and he gets tossed and unfortunately ends up dying but uh yeah uh, that's kind of the end of Dracula. He starts like, you know, kind of falling backwards and Mina runs after him. And, you know, he's obviously in tough shape. And that's when they both kind of go into the castle and Jonathan tells her to, to finish it. Right. And well, at first, though, she's got the I think Quincy's rifle. And isn't she like holding them like holding them at bay from Dracula. And they want to rush her. But then Jonathan said, no, no, it's now it's up to her, you know, to finish it. Oh, yes, yes. Yep. So, you know, she was kind of protecting him because, I mean, she must have eventually the reincarnation of his wife must have somehow filtered into her to kind of bring, you know, bring that forth, I guess. Or Well, and she was bit. So there was like this this yeah. bond between them. So, yep, yep. But that that brings me brings me to the last key scene, the ending with Mina's redemption. So the film's resolution emphasizes the redemptive power of love. Mina's ultimate role in saving Dracula from his torment is a poignant conclusion that brings the themes of love and sacrifice full circle. The emotional resolution adds depth to the characters and offers a unique interpretation of the classic vampire narrative. Um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty touching scene where she brings him in there and she's kind of talking, you know, talking to him and almost being like, like, you're going to be put out of your misery, you know, like you're going to be able to rest. And, and, uh, I don't know, like it, it kind of surprised me because I'm so used to like a lot of these other like creature feature films where it's just like, just fucking blow the thing's head off, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, just kill this thing already. And like, there's kind of a touching end to, you know, this, this reign of like 400 plus years of. I mean, really, if you think about the life of, of Dracula, it's pretty, pretty sad, pretty, pretty tragic. And this yeah. ending for for love. So in a way, you know, she she's putting him out of his out of his misery. So she doesn't she drive this the knife even further through his chest and then ends up chopping his head off. Right. Yeah. Well, I think an important part, too, was 
when he was laying there and she was talking to him, she kept saying, I love you, my love. He still had kind of a vampire face and she kissed him. Oh, yeah. And then when she did that, he looked at her just like, I think, in a little surprise. So he's like, she must truly love me even in this form. She kisses me and says she loves me. And I think that's when the cross started, like that gap, gap, gouge or whatever started closing up. And then all of a sudden that like a beam or something came down and his face transformed back to him as his younger self. Almost like he was, he received forgiveness because I don't know if his, he opened his heart to her now, or I'm not really sure, but. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah. I forgot that he, he had like the, the creepy looking vampire face and she like, yeah, she, I do remember sitting there and being like, oh my God, how, like, how is she kissing his face right now? You know, like that's <laughs> yeah. nasty, but yeah, that like just showed it truly, truly in love and it was authentic. So. But yeah, then the film just kind of like right after that, just kind of, she looks up and it just kind of ends as yeah. we're like kind of zooming in on that, uh, the painting of Dracula and his, and his wife. Because I don't know, you know, once his face transforms to his younger self, it's almost like, does he die? Because like his eyes roll up and right. then she shoves the, or did she shove the, the sword deeper through him? And then that happened. Then she pulled it out and sliced his head off. I honestly don't remember. I'm not quite sure, but but I, I mean, yeah. I think at least she knew she needed to finish it to to close the circle or whatever you want to call right. it. Yeah. But that's kind of the typical these type of movies, you know, Beauty and the Beast. You yeah. know, what kills the beast is the beauty, and I guess her love for him, you know, saved and redeemed. gave him redemption back with you know i guess in the eyes of the lord i guess that's the the the, uh what this story is about i guess yeah definitely it's very very deep true love matt true love true love yeah that's what my wife would say is i'm the beast just trying to tame me (laughs) oh boy um but yeah that's that's bram stoker's dracula that uh that kind of uh God, I feel like we covered every single base you could possibly cover on this. I yeah, I think so. We 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 kind of were pretty exhaustive with a lot of stuff, but all right, guys. Well, before we end the episode here, obviously we have to give a rating and whether or not Ooh. we recommend the film. So I'll I'll go first this time. Can can I just ask you any anything about like the special effects? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, what do you want to know about that? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's just interesting. Like the whole thing, it was always, it's like once Dracula was aware of Min, my, uh, Mina, you know, it's like she and Lucy are out and all of a sudden this storm, you know, you see these eyes in the sky and all of a sudden the storm starts coming. And I think that's when, is that the night he comes for Lucy the first yeah. time? Yeah, I think so. And then, like, when, when Jonathan was traveling on the train, again, his eyes are in the sky for just a brief moment. And and then when uh, he's in, I can't remember if he's in his castle, and he starts calling for the wind. So it's like he has control over elements even. And, I mean, it just, it show. I mean, all the transformations. I mean, he just, like, he had a lot of stuff he could do. He had a lot going on. Yeah, definitely. And I think your point about just like the practical and visual effects, like they when you're going to set a film not in present time, 
you have to do such a good job because I've watched some films where they were supposed to be set in like the 80s or 70s and I'm just not buying it. But this does such a good job of setting that like kind of like that gothic theme of like 19th century Europe where I'm never really pulled out of it. Like the entire time I'm buying it and I'm like, okay, for the next two hours, I'm in this world because not only do they set those like you know the the ambiance and the and the theme but they also do a great job with the costume design and and you know the storytelling so i think it all like all of these things just kind of compounded with each other just resulted in a really great film yeah and i mean even you know i think they're they're in london right yes and you know it's not far from the turn of the century but when you go to his castle, it seems like it's back when he became Dra- You know, it's like 400 years before in that area. You know, it's such a time time warp going from London to, you know, Jonathan had to be just flabbergasted going to his castle and his lands. And didn't right. seem like the sun came out much in that area. So exactly. So, yeah, definitely. Like, I would say that this is a one of the top like practical effects movies I've seen in a long time, given, given the time that it came out, you know, in the early nineties, because there, there are some flops when it comes to practical effects back then. Yeah, This is, this stands out pretty well, especially all the scenes with Gary Oldman portraying Dracula. Yeah. So, and it kind of, during that time in his movie career, he kind of played the bad guy. Like you said, air force one, he was in uh, the professional, the Fifth Element, the Fifth Element. So he he really played those sinister characters very well, and it just shows what a a range that guy has to what he's more recently known for. And um, and you know, Donnie, now that you, you're saying that, it reminds me of a thought that I had this week. Um, I think Gary Oldman's like 65 or 66 or something like that. He's not like terribly, but they're, you know, they're wanting to reboot the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And I was like, God, I think he'd be such a good Freddy Krueger. Oh, really? I think he would do a really good job. At 65, though, that could be interesting. I mean, I'm I'm down for an older Freddy. I mean, Robert England. I mean, he wasn't that old. He started. He was probably he looked old. He looked old. <laughs> he was. I think he was like 39, 40 when he started. He, he looked like he was sixty. So, yeah, he definitely yeah had had that maturity to him. But I don't know. Like, I feel like uh, I don't know if he'd want to do that at this stage of his. I don't career. know, especially if they're wanting to franchise it. Yeah, that like, might be a. Pretty tough commitment. How many movies am I signing on to type of things? So, yeah. But yeah, just a thought that popped into my head. So, all right. Now are you ready to summarize our, or give a, give a rating and whether or not we yep. recommend? Yep. Okay. Let's do, um, let's do fangs. Okay. Out of how many, out of 10 fangs. Is that fair? Is a vampire yeah. movie? Okay. So. Or 10 steaks. 10 steaks. That's good too. Let's do that one. Ten stakes. Okay. okay. So my rating for 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula. As a creature feature in vampire film, I will give this eight stakes out of ten. It is very, very good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I honestly don't even know what else to say. I feel like I've already like I've been beating the same drum. So yeah. eight out of ten. 
what what about you boy and i've I, and i've i don't know about you but i've watched a lot of vampire content i mean even buffy the vampire slayer i i've pretty much watched that entire series um can't wait for the new blade series coming out who knows when so that i mean there's a lot but i just think with all the elements and the quality and just the the actors i mean the level of the actors in this movie i i i think i gotta give it a nine out of ten stakes respectable respectable yeah that that's a that's a good rating so i mean if people were gonna question my rating of eight i would say i give it an eight and the movies that would be above it are interview with a vampire Mm. i would say that's probably my favorite vampire movie um man i can't really think of like oh fright night fright night original or remake i've never seen the remake i've only seen the original the original actually i thought was scarier so the original scared the shit out of me as a kid yeah so you know and those are two great points you you have any others you kind of that 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 i put above uh dracula yeah um man i mean i'm trying to there are so many and they all kind of just blend in for me besides those two but not really i can't think of like many other i'm not thinking of tv shows right now i'm thinking mostly yeah yeah not really and and i'm right there with you with interview with the vampire i almost have to maybe give it a little edge the thing about bram stokers is there's not all the gore yeah, You know, there are little things here, maybe a blood splat there, but it's not a movie where I'm watching just when are they going to kill Dracula or who are they going to get, you know, it yeah. almost made you, you sympathize with Dracula and kind of understand where he's coming from. You know, it, I don't know. It kind of made you, I mean, you almost were satisfied with the type of death. It almost was the type of death he wanted. Usually yes. they don't want to die, but he, I think that's what he wanted was, you know, when it came down to it, his, who he thought was his beloved, you know, would be the one to kill him. Yeah. And Donnie, now that, now that we're talking about this, I've had a little time to think about it. The other movie that I put above it uh, is The Lost Boys. I was wondering where you put that one. That one. Yeah. I mean, just like you said, uh, what was the other one? Um, Fright Night. Oh, Fright Night. Uh, Fright Night. The thing with Fright Night, that was that one. When I saw that one, that one freaked the shit out of me too. Yeah, I don't know what I I haven't seen it in a long time, but something about like that, like at the end, the basement scene and with evil. Oh, yeah, yeah, like something about something about that scene when I was a kid, like just really freaked me out. I can't really yeah. explain it. I mean, it had more of the jump scares. Yeah. Whereas Bram Stoker didn't have much. Maybe when the rats, you know, when he turned into the rats and maybe that first time you see him, like all of a sudden chops off a head, you're like, holy, (laughs) you know, but like I said, I think, you know, in a way it was a little more somewhat a love story and not all just horror. Yeah. You know, and another, yeah. Fright Night is, is great. Um, There is one other I was thinking of. Oh, Salem's Lot. I need to see that still. And the original, just the vampire they made out of that movie, it scared the hell out of me. Looks like, really looks like Nosferatu, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. I'll have to check that. And and I think they did a TV series also. I'd have to watch it, but I think they're planning a remake of Salem's Lot. I think they are too. They did one in like 2004 with Rob Lowe. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. He did that and he did the stand and (laughs) he does some of those made for TV shows. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's but, uh, a loyalist of Stephen King. And I don't know that that had to be in the eighties, probably. I'm guessing. And that's that. Just some. I mean, just how they did their vampires, and it was creepy as hell. Yeah. Well, I mean, sounds like we got plenty of other ones to discuss on the podcast for future episodes. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, I'm. I had a lot of fun. This was a. This was a good movie. It was fun to kind of dissect it with you. And yeah, what do you think about your your first ever solo episode? Well, I guess not solo, but yeah, non group uh, episode. I mean, I think it's you know it's kind of nice. You know, one on one makes it a little better flow of discussion. You know, I mean, not that it's a big deal to me, but you know, you're not interrupting each other and. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's, I mean, it's so great with even just two people, their perspectives are always a little different or, oh, I forgot or didn't think of that, you know, and right. that's, that's why this is so fun is, you know, I saw something, but you may have a total different twist and it's like, oh, that's right. I didn't even, you know, mm-hmm. it's always good to get multiple perspectives, but you know, with three, with crazy uncle Seth, that's always pretty entertaining. So, I mean. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to give up on those either. They're yeah. pretty fun. So, yeah, that th- those are parties, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to to have some future episodes with you. So thank you so much for, for coming on on this one. Yeah, this was yeah, this was fun. Like you said, it'd be nice to do some little more creature features like Wolfman, I think would be an interesting one. Yeah, we, we should get that. I was actually just going to lead into like what the schedule is going to look like. So um, that, that, that would be a really fun one to do this fall as of, as of right now, I have a dreadful discussions on the docket with Keller um, oh. and him and I, <laughs> what, what's that? Oh, I just was like, Oh, that's, you know, I was kind of chuckling about it. That should be a fun one. Yeah, it'll be good. It's been so it's actually crazy. It's been since March since Keller's been on the pod. Jeez. It's been, it's been a long time. So he's just been like really like super busy, but I sent him a schedule and he's uh he he's he's committed to some dates. So uh we're going to do a dreadful discussions episode. We're going to be reviewing 2009's The Collector, which I'm super excited to review with him. And then I think in September We'll probably record in September and release in October, but we want to do Halloween 2, 1981. So those will be some episodes for Keller and I. And then I think uh, Crazy Uncle Seth, Uncle Don, and my buddy Taylor and I, we're going to do Terrifier 2 probably <laughs> towards the end of the month. So there's there's a lot of content coming your guys' way in the next, you know, two to three months here. So no Keller in Terrifier 2. No, he he stood his ground. He's he he told me he's like he was like obviously the episode was fun to record, but he said that was probably one of the worst movies he's he's ever watched. Yeah, I don't really. I, he's like I have no interest in watching the sequel, which I'm like, well, I'm not gonna force you to to watch it, you know, if you're not into it. So yeah, um, so yeah, it's just I, I asked Taylor, and so he's gonna watch it and he's gonna join. So it'll still be a foursome. It should be a good time, but 
yeah, just uh, make sure you're paying attention to your to your podcasting needs so you 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 know when the new episodes are publishing. And on that note, if you're not a subscriber, the easiest way to make sure that you're keeping up to date on episodes is by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, really anywhere that you listen to all of your podcast shows. And then if you want more content from the film room, as always, pop over to our Facebook page, Twitter page, Instagram, TikTok. TikTok, we're super active. We're doing a bunch of really fun and cool stuff on there. I'm usually clipping a lot of our episodes to give like highlights, some of the funny moments. So definitely check that out. And if you want exclusive content or just to simply support the show, which would be greatly appreciated, pop on over to our Patreon account at Patreon backslash the film room horror, where you can get a boatload of extra content for as little as $1 per month. It would be greatly appreciated. And we love, we would love the support for the show. So yeah, on, on that note, I think we'll probably get another episode out here in the next, I mean, I don't know, like two or three weeks. I mean, I feel like I'm going to have like three or four that I'm going to record and have to, edit at the same time so i'm gonna be a busy man mm. but all right don any last words from you uh just want to say that uh, this was a lot of fun i mean kind of nice to more talk about a a movie just in in the way it's put together not so much in how did this person die and how did <laughs> you know those are fun too but i thought it was really a good movie to kind of have a little change of pace with and like you said mixed it up a little bit so that was a lot of fun. I'd like to do some more of those as well. Uh, I know there's tons of content out there. so Definitely. Yeah. As as always, the, the, the show is going to be ever, ever evolving. It's not just, uh, you know, one size fits all. We'll, we'll change it up depending on the content that we have. So, yeah. Yeah. Should be good. But all right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And until next time. We're out.